welcome to Essex Church and to this, our worshipping community of Kensington Unitarians. Outside, there is a chilly wind blowing still. That sunshine is deceptive. Here inside, there is the warmth, not just of our church heaters, gamely ploughing away there, but also the warmth of a gathering of people. A gathering of people who accept you as you are, whoever you are, wherever you come from, whatever you are dealing with in your life, this is a place where you can be yourself in community with others. Today we hold our Easter Day service, this day on which Jesus traditionally rose from the dead, a day of celebration for Christians around the world. And as Unitarians and free Christians, we are free to form our own beliefs about the Easter week's narrative. And as human beings, we can all share in the hope and the promise that this time of year represents. So let's now take a moment to create this as a holy time. A holy time and a holy place. We can do this by being present present in this present moment, aware of the world outside, but willing to let it go for a while, aware of ourselves and the concerns or excitements of our everyday lives, yet willing to put them too on one side so that we can be better able to channel something greater than ourselves, whatever name we give this, God, Great Spirit, ground of our very being. May this time be holy, blessed by the divine spirit of life and love. Look to this day, for it is like the very life of life, and in its brief course like all the verities and realities of your existence. The bliss of growth, the glory of action, the splendor of achievement are but experiences of time. For yesterday is but a dream, and tomorrow is only a vision. But today well lived makes yesterday a dream of happiness, and every tomorrow a vision of hope. Look well, therefore, to this day. We can give thanks for life reborn. We can give thanks for joy that helps us to overcome loss and pain. We can give thanks for the earth as it blooms in its renewal. And as a sign of our gratitude this morning, I light our candle, this chalice flame, symbol of our worldwide Unitarian community, that its message of freedom might inspire us this Easter morning. So let's start by singing now. Um, this is the Easter story. Once upon a time, so an old folk tale begins, there was an old man who lived alone with his grandson in great poverty. It was little more than a hovel, a shack. Everything around them was filthy and grey. There was no beauty in their lives. But then one day, so the story goes, 
a stranger appeared and gave the young child a beautiful lily growing in a pot. The boy took the flower home and placed it on a windowsill, on the windowsill of their little home. The grandfather saw the flower growing in the pot and knew that it needed to be watered and cared for, which is exactly what he did. Together, the grandfather and his grandson cared for that flower. The boy cleaned the dirty window so that the lily could get more lights. The grandfather found a larger and prettier pot for the lily and he swept the floor and shook out the old rug. Over time, the boy and his grandfather cleaned up their home and even started to dig their front garden and to grow flowers from seeds they'd found in the fields and hedgerows. Neighbours would stop to chat and admire the flowers and so... Although, as is inevitable, that lily faded and died, yet it had done its work in bringing beauty to our world and in in brightening those two lives. For now, their simple home was clean, clean and orderly, and that simple lily had helped them to a better life. And so would you join me now in a time of prayer and reflection. And in that time of prayer and reflection, let us give thanks. Let us give thanks for the gift of life. Let us give thanks for our own lives and the lives around us here today. Let us widen our gratitude to the life of our world, for the myriad forms of life, for plants and animals, and the great diversity that is humanity. And as we give these thanks, may we send our thoughts and prayers to all those who we know are in difficulties in any way. The people in our own lives, perhaps, who we know are living in pain or despair or confusion. So many people living in the world's troubled places, for whom each day is frightening or uncertain. For the people who are struggling to survive. And as we heard earlier of the new life that sprang from the gift of just one flower, inspiring two people to live more fully. Let us think for a moment of our own sources of inspiration, of all that lifts our spirits, all that renews our hope. May we be the people who always remember our ability to lift the spirits of others by our showing of our care, our concern, most importantly, our love.
Amen. Gospel readings from Mark's Gospel, chapter 14. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little farther, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The next reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 15. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph brought a linen cloth, and taking the body, he wrapped it in the linen cloth and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Jesus, saw where the body was laid. And one last reading from Mark's Gospel, from chapter 16, verses 1 to 8. And when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They'd been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He's not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and they fled from the tomb. For terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid.
We have it lucky down here in the south of England, at least when it comes to the weather. Up north, there is still snow lying on the ground. One of my fellow ministers spoke of there being over two feet of snow drifts forming this last week. The temperature has hovered around freezing for much of the last three months. It's been a hard winter for many people, and it's not over yet, despite the sun shining today. Even here, in the fortunate south, it's still bitterly cold when the wind blows, isn't it? When it comes to Easter, this most significant festival of the Christian year, I consider myself fortunate to be a Unitarian, because we are free to bring our own interpretations to this Easter narrative. No one actually knows what happened in that far-flung outpost of the Roman Empire nearly 2,000 years ago. The biblical accounts that we have in the Gospels were written down years later. They can't be regarded as eyewitness accounts. But something happened. Of that there is no doubt. And that something had a profound world-changing effect, at first on a small group of despairing followers of Jesus, who had witnessed his arrest and his execution. His disciples are shown to be weak and fearful, aren't they, in some of those readings that we heard earlier on? Understandably so, perhaps. At Jesus' time of greatest need in that Garden of Gethsemane, when he himself is afraid of that which is to come, when he begs God to save him from suffering, his disciples fall asleep. One of them betrays him. And later on, Peter, who Jesus has described as his rock, his best friend, even Peter, denies knowing Jesus. Not once, not twice, but three times. All his followers run away in fear for their own lives. And Jesus is abandoned, except for those women who chose to stay close by him at his crucifixion and go to his tomb to perform the ritual of anointing his dead body. And when Jesus does appear after death to his followers, none of them at first recognize him. It's a detail that's always intrigued me. From this violent and humiliating ending of a brief life in troubled times, something transformatory is born again in Jesus' followers. From a broken body comes new life, new commitment. And it's this theme of the potential for renewal that speaks to me most powerfully at Easter time. Perhaps that's because for us, living in the Northern Hemisphere, Easter arrives with springtime. It's a festival for us of the returning light, the lengthening of the days, the return of warmth and the start of the growing season. Plants and animals respond to this light in the most practical of ways as they create life anew. They seek a mate. They send up new shoots, reaching tentatively at first and sturdily and with determination up, up towards the light. And they flower like the lily in our story earlier on and the daffodils bravely waving in the garden at the front of the church this morning. The beauty of their fragrance and their colour attracting pollinating creatures on which the creation of the next generation depends. No wonder the early pagan festivals celebrating the spring interweave with these themes of Easter time. For this is the time of renewed fertility on which all our lives depend. I wonder what your favourite spring images are. 
I'm partial to a snowdrop, the first of the spring flowers. I appreciate their sturdy resilience, their willingness to come out and flower when it really is still wintertime. And I particularly appreciate seeing a field of lambs skipping about with their patient mothers, chewing the grass, keeping an eye on them. We have new people running the restaurant uh, next, to their, next to the church, and their family are farmers. The chef was telling me the other day about his brother's flock of sheep and how badly they've been affected by this harsh winter. The ewes are not as strong as they should be because they've not had enough to eat. And so the lambs are being born more frail than usual and more are dying in their first few days of life. And his farm is down here in the southeast of England. You perhaps, uh, like I, saw some of the grim photos in the news this week from Northern Ireland, Cumbria, North Wales, where farmers report losing possibly 10,000 or more head of sheep and cattle in snowdrifts just over this last week. There's nothing cute or fluffy about this spring for these farmers who face the heartbreaking task of digging out their animals, most often dead, from the snow. And that harsh reality of life has echoes for me of the Easter narrative from the Gospels. Humanity struggling to make sense of life's harshness, struggling to make sense of our own frailty, our flaws, our weaknesses, struggling with the oft-times bitter realities of existence and the very pain of it all. And sometimes, just sometimes, from these struggles, we may receive a gift of the potential for spiritual rebirth and renewal. Out of despair, hope may arise once more. So my hope for all of us and for the wider communities in which we live is that despite everything, we may find that hope once more when all seems cold and dark and difficult and that we might be the ones who help others to find that hope once more. For when our hearts are wintry, grieving or in pain, love's touch can call us back to life again. Fields of our hearts that dead and bare have been, love is come again like wheat that springeth green. Amen. And so, may you know joy this Easter, a joy born of life well lived. And may you know love this Easter, a love that transcends all suffering, bringing healing and new growth to areas of your life where it may be needed. And may you know peace this Easter, a peace which allows you to be open to this season of renewal, blessed by life anew. Amen. Go well and blessed be.